0: You're listening to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. This program is for educational purposes only, and the opinions expressed here by guests do not necessarily fully or accurately reflect the opinions, legal intent, or nature of Congress Wealth Advisor Solutions, Congress Wealth Management LLC, or their senior management. Please note that Congress Wealth Advisor Solutions is a division of Congress Wealth Management, LLC. Congress Wealth Management, LLC is an SEC RIA based in Boston, Massachusetts. For additional information about Congress Wealth Management, LLC, please visit our website at www.congresswealth.com or visit the Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov by searching with Congress's CRD number 310873. Congress Wealth Advisor Solutions, Congress Wealth Management LLC, and their senior management believe this information in this program to be accurate and reliable, but does not warrant it as to completeness or accuracy. Due to rapidly changing market conditions and the complexity of investment decisions, supplemental information and other sources may be required to make informed investment decisions based on your individual investment objectives and suitability specifications. This program is not intended to give legal, investment, or financial planning advice And opinions and statements made in this podcast should not be relied on as such. No portion of this program is to be construed as a solicitation to buy or sell a security or the provision of personalized investment tax or legal advice. Investing entails the risk of loss of principal.
1: Everybody and welcome to four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host Ryan Carroll, and my guest today. Uh, you know, I really couldn't think of a better guest to have on this podcast with the audience we have, and obviously with the the firms that we work with and our strategic partners on the Congress Wealth Advisor Solutions platform. And uh, I'm really happy to introduce Jeff Levine. Jeff, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you?
1: Good, good. I appreciate you being on the the podcast. We are. Uh, not in March yet, but almost there. So obviously, in your world, uh, this is crunch time uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, so why don't we sort of jump right into it? And, and maybe before I let you talk about sort of the background of your firm and, and your history, and, and we get rolling here. You know, I think I just want to say a comment. The reason why you know I wanted you on the podcast is because you know we've been great partners with you guys at Congress, and I think the model by which that you guys run your CPA firm right, is just different than a lot of people. I think the the way you've thought about the business, the way you guys have put it together and how successful you obviously have been really speaks to the way that a lot of our advisors and probably a lot of the advisors in the marketplace start their businesses, right, with a focus on, you know, CPA or tax services at some level and then potentially getting into, you know, being a registered investment advisor or a financial planner at the same sure. time. So. sure that's really the background. And, and, you know, I guess sort of tell us how it all started and, and how it came to be.
2: I'd be happy to do that. And, uh, I have to be honest, I'm very proud of what we've built and, uh, I've done speaking at, uh, management conferences and, uh, uh, software conferences or whatever. I've, I've talked about this model and it's very hard to get people to grasp it or very hard to get people to accept that it can be done. Um, so that's why I'm proud to talk about it. And I hope, I hope people listen and, um, I want to make the offer that they, you know you can certainly follow up with me down the road and, and help people do this, because I think it really is a, an advantageous way to get uh, to get business and to work with uh, specialists like yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah um, we appreciate that. And we can absolutely do that.
2: Sure. So uh, let me go back to 1981 when uh, uh, Robert Alcon, my uh, senior partner and I started working together. And uh, at the time we were, you know, your very typical accounting firm. We had a group of individual tax clients. We had corporate clients that we did tax returns and consulting and actually did financial statements, compilations, reviews, audits. We had some nonprofit clients, um, but we were basically your typical accounting firm. And uh, what happened Uh, well, basically we met through the, (laughs) through the JCs, it used to be a large (laughs) national organization of uh, community service and young leadership training. And Bob and I were both members and he had just bought out his partner and called me up one day and said, you know, would you be interested in talking with me? And, uh, we, we, we hit it off. We, we connected and, uh, we've been together for over 40 years. So it's been a great partnership. Um, Bob was a graduate of UMass Amherst and I graduated Boston university. And I subsequently got a master's in taxation uh, from Bentley university and, uh, and Bob actually got his uh, certification in financial planning at one point and also uh, got his uh, what they call the personal financial planning specialist from the AICPA. But let me explain why he got those designations and how that came about. Okay. Um, It actually, I remember it well, there was an evening uh, where, the two of us were working as usual, and uh, a, he got a phone call from somebody earlier that day that asked if they can come in and speak to us about something that he was doing. Uh, this fellow was a Newton, Massachusetts police officer, and in his free time, he had become a certified financial planner, and he was working with fellow police officers to help them with life insurance, disability insurance, and basically you know, cash flow investments and goals and objectives. And as he explained what he was doing, Sort of the light came on to both Bob and myself that what he was talking about is stuff that we actually did ourselves. Uh, we were not certified, we were not educated in some of the things that he was talking about. But it was the type of thing that our clients were constantly asking us. Um, you know, back in the day, so this is the early 1980s. You know, people were doing IRAs or uh, 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 set IRAs for their self-employment, or in their yep. in their corporations, they were developing pension plans, or they were looking at buy-sell agreements and life insurance and things like that, we realized that every time we do a tax return and suggested to somebody to do an IRA or suggest to somebody maybe buy a house or whatever, we were helping them with their goals and objectives, helping them with their conversations about investments or um, uh, what might generate more dividends or, or, or capital gains or when they should sell a stock or not sell a stock. Uh, not that we were digging into tremendous details, but we were having very general conversations with our clients about their financial stability or their financial choices in life. And so this fellow was making this pitch that you know this is what he was doing, in police officers. And when he left, I said to Bob, Gee, everything he described is what we do. We just we just never formalized it into some sort of a program with our clients. They would come in and pay us for a tax return or pay us for a corporate financial statement, but we never really. Emphasize to them some of the details of their financial life. Mm -hmm. And as we looked at this more, Bob and I decided, you know, what if one of us got our certification in financial planning? What if we put together a program where we were really dealing with the the more formal questions that clients asked? And so um, one of the things we did is uh, Bob's mother actually worked with us as a secretary and, and over the course of a summer, we dictated personal letters. She was typing on an IBM Selectric <laughs> typewriter, and she did personal, uh, individual, personalized letters to each of our clients that basically said something like, "Hey Bob, how you doing? We hope you're having a great summer. You know, in addition to doing your taxes, we could really be involved in your budgeting and your goals and objectives and your college financial planning or, or uh, estate planning, or whatever. You should really contact us if you're ever interested in this type of information." And what we realized then was that a lot of attorneys, if they would get a phone call and, you know, a client would call and ask a question or a lot of other consultants or certainly accountants, too, you know, they turn over the clock, right? They turn over the timer, the sand timer, right? (laughs) Somebody calls up with a question, you got to write down the time and you got to figure out, you know, how much time you spent on answering the question and then you send them a bill. And the clients hated getting those extra bills. Yep. And so what we what we figured out was if we packaged our accounting work, be it mostly personal taxes, that's really the package that's been most successful for us. If we package a tax return into something we called an annual financial service and offered them. Unlimited communication during the year of a short variety. Certainly if a client is selling their business, it's something different than what I'm about to say. Yeah. But if we offer them the fact that they can call, or, or now nobody calls, it's email yep. or text. <laughs> but, but in the old days, it was unlimited phone calls, a meeting in the office if you wanted to, um, your tax return, and then this extra service that we called financial planning. Um, actually, I coined the phrase financial therapy. Mm -hmm. And and it, it took off like gangbusters the fact that it's a therapeutic sort of consultation to discuss their assets, their liabilities, their income, their expenses, their goals and objectives. And it's not specifically directed to individual solutions because the idea is it's consultative to have a conversation about these things and figure out what might be appropriate for their point in life. But we basically turn the tax return into an annual service. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, first of all, we increase the value of the service. Um, instead of being a, at that time, a $200 tax return, I think we had a minimum fee of 500. It's now $2,500 minimum mm-hmm. fee. That's not a set fee, that's a minimum fee. But on top of that, what we did is we built it into a model where we bill it in November for the upcoming tax season because it's not a tax return it's an yep. annual service it starts in January they can call us on January 2nd and ask us questions so we bill in November for a rain, basically a minimum fee it could go up it's explained to the client it could go up if there's different complexity yep. but it offers them it offers them their tax return the planning involved in the return but also uh, financial questions during the year and then this extra hour to an hour and a half of what we call financial therapy, sometime between May and November, and we're mm-hmm. not busy because tax season ends April 15th, from mm-hmm. so May through November, the client is, has the opportunity to come in and speak to us about these other um, opportunities. So it really transitioned our practice from uh, basic accounting work to an annual financial service for the individuals. I have to admit, we, we have not been good about translating that to the corporate work part of that is because the corporations operate differently. They they have different issues. They have the financial statements, whatever. Another thing that we did is because of the success in this area and the growth that it, it brought on between the number of clients we service, but also increasing the fees from a tax return to an annual service, mm-hmm. we, we eliminated all of the audit work that we used to do, the corporate audits, the nonprofit audits, and we basically eliminated most of the financial statement preparation. So, our shop at this point is mostly corporate tax and corporate consulting, personal tax and the personal financial planning. And we eliminated a lot of the work that, that people just didn't really want to do and also exposed us to a lot of risk, you know, the audit statements and things like that, the yeah. risk where, where we eliminated all that. So, it's, it's been quite successful.
1: That is, Um, I I would say, Jeff, I'll just jump in and say we can spend, you know, and maybe we'll, we'll have you back on to, to talk about little snippets of this, but just even the the beginnings of, of how this happened with, uh, with the noon police officer and, and uh, Bob's mom, you know, it's just so organic in some ways, right. Uh, Reflecting on it. Uh, And such an amazing story. I just, I absolutely love it. It's, it's amazing.
2: Um, Thank you. Thank you. It, It is organic. And in fact, um. A couple of other things that have happened sure um one is that it is truly organic we don't advertise um when bob and i first met in 1981 he insisted on one thing was that the firm would be called alcon and levine as opposed to levine and alcon Mm -hmm. uh, which i had no problem with but the reason his logic was back then there was something called the yellow pages Mm -hmm. and alcon (laughs) alcon and levine would be the number one you know in the yellow pages and he was right if we did it if we donated to a charity we would be the first listing on the charity listing or whatever but but that was built because we thought we would be advertising. We do no advertising. Our mm-hmm. growth, our growth is really mostly organic. Um, if it's not a referral from uh, someone like yourself, Ryan, yeah. it's a referral. It's a referral from existing clients because they love the annual service. They love the handholding that we do. Um, now, a challenge came up, and I, I'm sure that you, you want to, you know, transition yeah, to how how we got involved. The challenge came up that you know we honestly we are accountants we we and and perhaps there are you know regulations or state regulations whatever licensing and everything else Mm -hmm. in our in our personal financial planning work and our tax work we honestly did not want to be involved in the actual management of money yeah and and a lot of states you have to you know have your separate IRA or your separate um, uh, you know separation between the, the Work you're doing in one section versus another, mm-hmm. um, so it it really helped that we were able to find partners like Congress Wealth mm-hmm. um, that we could refer the asset management to, but yet our clients still feel comfortable that we were involved in the picture. So basically, by us um, starting the process uh, starting the process of the financial planning knowing that the client has the opportunity to speak with us during the year and lay out their goals or objectives it then gave us the opportunity to know more about what they wanted and refer them to the right partner the right person who could take on that um not just asset management but you know really wealth management in the sense of perhaps estate planning perhaps um um insurance needs or insurance needs. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Insurance needs or or at least analysis of current insurance or current holdings. It's worked out very well to be able to outsource some of this work, but yet the client still feels tremendously associated to us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, when we work with other firms like yourself, right, that's, I think, a common thing. And, And the question I'll ask there, and just to dive in a little bit on you know, you talked about the differences between being a trained, you know, CPA and focusing on the accounting side of things versus, you know, the wealth management world, which there's obviously some nuance to each. Um, what was it like early on, I guess? You know, I'm thinking of potential people, you know, listeners out there who are obviously know about it. It's, it's a novel model, right? It's not brand new. The way you guys have done it, I think, is has been very, um, very strategic and, and very well thought out, even though it was organic. But what were those maybe sort of early days like, right? You know, after you guys sent out the letter, sort of putting it together, what were client reactions or what were maybe some of the, you know, things that you might've run into where you said, oh yeah, we didn't maybe think about this hundred percent, but
2: sure, you know, now sure. we want to
1: sort of look at it and, and help, you know, figure sure. it out.
2: Well, it's a great question. Um, honestly, the, the first reaction of many clients was, gee, we just didn't know. Um, <clears throat> you know, we just didn't know you could help us with that or we're glad that you mentioned that. Um, And and yes, a tremendous amount of the feedback was the fact that they hated getting additional bills for the consulting service. And the fact that we would roll it all into one made sense. Um, It is hard because we had to try to um, split out when, when, it was hard to explain sometimes when a particular service might be an extra cost. Like if it was for a a large sale of a business or purchase of a business or something like that. But for the most part, it it was pretty well accepted. But one of the challenges was, um, at least for us, that um, and perhaps it was more my doing. I was concerned about um, if we were to refer business to other people, what was what was how do we maintain our objectivity? Yeah. And also, um, there was certainly some feedback from clients if I referred them to Say uh, well, actually, when I first met Bob, one of the first things he explained to me was uh, he had just lost a major client because he had made an insurance referral, and the yeah. insurance guy had actually made a bad recommendation. Uh, it was not it was not well thought out, and the client held that against Bob, even mm-hmm. though Bob had nothing to do with the actual recommendation. It was his referral, and yeah. the client held that against him. So we had always had a policy that if we were going to refer something. We would try to refer to at least three people. If it was a state issue, three people. If it was an insurance issue, three people. Mm -hmm. And um, when we first started looking at relationships for asset management or guidance and help with the um, financial planning, uh, we had been referred to one company. And and actually, they were getting very involved with CPA firms. And and there was a pretty decent model, but it, it made us uncomfortable And it made our clients uncomfortable that we were referring just to one place. Um, so one of the challenges was to try to maintain objectivity and again, with licensing or with, uh, state regulations, Mm -hmm. there were issues about, you know, being restricted to having just one source or whatever. Uh, Some of that has now been relaxed and and we actually have eight or nine partners such as Congress wealth that we refer to. Um, but the other challenge was that we were, um, you know, some of the questions I have to admit were over our head. You know, we were, we were pretty good with the asking questions and pretty good with the consultative uh, thought process of, you know, basically uh, I learned a long time ago that when you're consulting with people, if you ask them enough questions, they'll give you the answer to the problem. <laughs> yep. But, um, and we were pretty good at that, but sometimes the answer might've resulted in something what truly was over our heads. So building up the client relation, building up the partner relationships was important to us to have the right types of companies involved because, you know, some of the questions were over our head. Yeah. Um,
1: and, and I mean, I'll just jump in. And I think the reflection on that is, you know, a lot of times I think people that, you know, whatever your, um, you know, business, whether it's on our side or your side, so to speak, right? You know, sort of that, I'm not going to say vulnerability, but almost that sort of realizing, hey, you know, I need to ask for help here, right? I need to bring in someone else, I think is an interesting, um, maybe sort of second level, you know, thing that comes from doing this, right? And from, from, sure. from growing your business. So, you know, just reflecting on that, right? That might be something I think that some people out there, if they're on the, the front end of this and they're thinking about it, right? That's one of those things that the gating issues that they might be saying, ah, you know, there's a lot of risks, right? You talk about, you know, relationships going bad or, or, yes. you know, sort of going through the process of that definitely are, you know, can be difficult to deal with. But, you know, I think what you're saying is, right, you know, you, you guys, and I'm speaking in general about, you know, CPAs, I think, and specifically you and, and, and Bob have a really good deep relationships would you would you agree with that
2: oh absolutely the relationship is key and as as you were uh, formulating that that the those thoughts just now it, mm-hmm. it, there were two things that occurred to me um which again I, i'm sure folks that uh, will listen to this are aware of these things but i i do like to explain them Yep. one is one is that um uh early on in our history bob and myself we were working on a saturday and i got a phone call from a potential client it was a doctor and he um, obviously had been speaking with several accountants and he had a list of questions for me basically <clears throat> he was testing me and testing my tax knowledge yeah. and 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 as you were i was thinking about this as you were asking a question because as as professionals as cpas i think we want to have all the answers i think we want to know or show to somebody that we know everything that there is and that we're great at what we do. But as this guy asked questions, there were several times when I said to him, you know, what you're asking is really hard to answer in the way you're asking it because it depends on certain situations. It depends on, on um, you know, what your income is or what might be a phase in or a phase out. I'd have to, you know, ask you more questions to understand or I'd have to actually see the situation. And he called back a couple of hours later and said, "You know, we're going to hire you because I've asked these. I've asked these questions to six or seven other accountants, and you're the only one who admitted that you don't always know all the answers and that it would depend on certain things." Yeah. And I and I really felt good about that because I was being honest. And and that you know there were certain things you just couldn't answer right off the bat. I now have a line um, that I like to tell clients that you know usually. If they ask me a question, I'm right about 99.99% of the time. And and in 43 years, I haven't been able to accomplish that extra 0.01%. But why am I right 99.9% of the time? And they look at me and say, well, I don't know. I say, well, because the answer is, it depends. Yep. I mean, if you ask me what stock you should buy or what tax bracket you're in, or it depends. So, um, So my point is, even though we as professionals strive to be right all the time, you have to dig in and get more information or you have to reach out to partners who can provide some things perhaps more efficiently or in a more, um, more, uh, specialized manner than what we can do. But if we have those people in our back pocket, we can always give our clients good advice. And I think, you know, we currently have roughly 2000 personal tax clients. That's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And by the way, um, 100% of those clients get billed some sort of a minimum fee for that annual service. Mm -hmm. About 35% use it on an annual basis. In other words, they all do a tax return. They all might call us during the year with a question, but only about 35% seek that extra hour to an hour and a half financial therapy meeting during the year. Now, over a course of three or four years, all of them might at some point have it. But they don't all do it at the same time. Sometimes, yeah. So my point, my point is that a hundred percent pay, and they pay in advance, but only about thirty-five percent do it. Um, it's a tremendous, tremendous model that has built up. And um, if people are afraid, it would overwhelm you. I'm just giving you what our history has been: is that not everybody does it every year. What has happened though is that because of these partnerships, such with client wealth, uh, uh, Congress Wealth Management. Mm-hmm. Um, The assets under management are generating uh, uh, shared revenue for us, and that comes in every year, even if they might not have spoken to us during the year for their financial planning. So once the assets are under management, it's 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 very it's a it's a wonderful relationship.
1: Yeah, you know, again, that goes into even more of the sort of the business side of things, right? The, The way you're scaling and way that you're utilizing resources, and you know, again, for anyone either starting out who's out there listening or you know, has built up a practice. You know that is that it's you know transformative, as you said, it can be absolutely transformative. I guess Jeff. So you know, we, we sort of talked about the beginning. I'm going to ask one other question here. Is there anything that you look back as you sort of set this up, or even over the the course of um, you know the history of you guys working with clients and and sort of this consultative capacity? Are there things that you look back and say, "Oh, I wish we did this then, or did that then"?
2: That's a great question. Um- Certainly, I wish that we had built up um, a few more people besides just Bob and myself who could help do some of the financial planning. We now have two of our accountants who are enrolled in a CFP program. Got they'll on. finish that. And they'll finish that, and that helps both in helping with the load of work, but also certainly some sort of succession plan down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I um, we are very specific to do, but it took time to do was. Um, there were clients who didn't want the full service, and and we we did bifurcate. In other words, there were some clients that we just took on as tax work without the planning, or planning without the tax, and and that complicates things because yeah. when you, you know when you're doing a tax return and then they ask you about their insurance or they ask you about their their investments, whatever. Now you're sort of betwixt and between. So so that was early on. At this point, we are very confident in explaining to somebody you're either with us for the game or you're not, or you're not, you know, the annual services, what we provide, if that's not something you want, um, you know, maybe you should be looking at another accounting firm. Uh, one other thing we did from a marketing thing, and I'm glad we did this. It, it doesn't happen often. In fact, I don't, I'm not sure it's ever happened. When we put this service into place, especially with this now $2,500 minimum fee, mm-hmm. we're very honest and tell our clients, you know hire us for the year if you feel you did not get value for that fee we'll give you your money back mm-hmm. and it takes all the risk out of the client they they feel they they have confidence in us cuz we're giving them a quote money back guarantee yep but um honestly nobody's ever asked for their money back cuz <laughs> we deliver yep um what else do i wish we had done differently um
1: yeah you know maybe with with sort of when you you know had rolled you know put stuff together, I guess, maybe more from a business perspective, anything that comes to mind, just, you know, maybe as another way to get out to flesh out some of the things that, you know, people could do or think about as they're maybe putting this together.
2: Yeah. So early on, and and this was not with uh, Congress wealth, this was with one of our earlier um, Mm -hmm. partners. Uh, The goal there was they understood that we do these financial therapy meetings and um, what they, what they asked if it was possible is they asked if they, come to our office and have one of their representatives just be in the office so that if a question came up, you know, I mentioned before that sometimes a question came up that was over our heads, Mm -hmm. they would be there. You know, we could call them or, or, you know, ask the question, but if they were in our office, we could perhaps walk down the hall and ask them a question or whatever. That was, that, that didn't work. And it didn't work because, um, the clients didn't necessarily feel comfortable with us, you know, getting up and walking down the hall or they didn't feel comfortable. We just pulled somebody else into the room. Yep. And actually Bob had a great idea uh, maybe maybe about two years after we were doing that not really doing much successfully. Bob and I explained to the uh, partner, uh, the, the, the company that was helping us and uh, perhaps it was Bob who, who really initiated it, said, you know, what if you sit in on our financial planning meeting. In other words, the client calls. We could say to them, you know, so and so will be joining us for this meeting. We hope you don't mind, but we found it we found it very helpful if they're participating with issues that might come up as far as the estate or insurance or something like that. And um, it it took a little while to win the confidence over with clients, but many clients said, "Oh, sure, what you know, why not?" That really helped tremendously. Um, <clears throat> I know it takes time for, you know, for instance, Ryan, someone like yourself or or your, your folks to sit in, in a meeting, but the benefit was uh, that even if the, even if the person didn't say anything, if they were just listening, they not only saw how we worked, how we discussed things with clients, how we brought up different issues, but they also, the client could see that this person was listening. And if a question came up later, maybe even after the meeting, and I said, you know what, I'm going to call Ryan and ask him that. Um, They felt comfortable having met the person. So I have to admit that that really helped a lot of our um, uh, relationship building blossom. It really, not the relationship with the client, but the relationship with the partners that we were using for asset management, it really helped bring things to fruition. And so, I, you know, if we, you know, that was a mistake to think that they could just sit in the office and be available for questions. It was better to have them more involved.
1: Got it. Well, that, that um, you know, not that it's not intuitive to think that, but, you know, the process of doing that, right, maybe it's, it, uh, what I get from that is, you know, you guys are clearly willing to continue thinking about the model, right? The first iteration doesn't always fit, right? And you sort of have to adapt like you do in business in general but that, you know, it was sort of figuring out what was comfortable, right? Sort of the nuance of, of a meeting and of, you know, sort of a a handoff, so to speak, or some transition of the client relationship from just you and Bob to an outside partner or partners.
2: Um, Yeah. I, I think it's one of the things that people are most afraid about, you know, would they lose control of the part of the client or would they um, not be involved in decisions or, um, you know, certainly I'm sure sh- I know from talking with other accounting firms that there's a hesitancy to get involved in what we did. Yeah. Uh, there, there are certainly firms out there who don't want to do personal tax returns. They think personal yeah. tax returns are going to die someday. You know, that artificial intelligence is going to take over. Mm-hmm. Um, we have not had that issue. Um, we love our personal tax returns. Um, I, you know, even if, you know, some client some, uh, my friends joke with me and say, oh, someday there's going to be a flat tax so you're going to be out of business. And I say, well, that's not really true because even if there's a flat tax, you still have to decide what's going to be taxed. There's still yeah. a calculation to what is taxed or what is excluded. So I think we'll always have returns. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the benefit of getting into this financial planning model, if you can successfully transition this way, is even if the returns became less of an issue, it's the financial therapy that locks you into the client. It's yeah, you know, the client could use TurboTax and get advice for financial planning, but they want us to have all the information. They want yeah. us to have the the annual relationship, not just a consultation. So, it, it's really it's really worked out very well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of that stuff. You know, I was thinking earlier how that sort of comes full circle, right? You have you know, sort of the therapeutic or behavioral aspect of what we do, right, which has, I think, gained steam over the past, you know, 40 years back to when you Bob started, right? So just, you know, I think a lot of that is now almost coming back full circle. And, you know, the retail individual client is, is sort of realizing that. Um, so that was, I think, way ahead of your time. You talked about sort of a lot of firms, and this maybe will be one of the last questions we have, I want to keep an eye on the time here for everybody. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, the difficulty in in, in people in, in the accounting world, you know, thinking that it's gonna be difficult. I think a lot of times obviously that sort of comes when we talk about fees and you've mentioned sort of the fee, you know, schedule and the fee changes that you guys, you know, put into place. Talk about that a little bit, right? Was that, you know, I'm sure that was at some level, there's probably some discussions and some trepidation by you and Bob. How did you guys think about that and how has that, you know, sort of changed or or what advice you would you have for people who are contemplating doing
2: that that's a really great question you know when I first started working Bob in 1981 there were some returns many returns many clients and obviously inflation is different too but you know we were charging fifty dollars a hundred dollars for a tax return mm-hmm. um, when we started increasing fees or when we put this package together the minimum I think was 500 it grew to be a thousand Um then it was 1,500, and then it was 1,800, and then it was 2,000, and now it's Mm 2,500. And um, when I say that's a minimum, it is a minimum. If I have a client that comes in with, say, two schedule fees and a couple of rental properties, that might be $4,000. But whatever it is, it's presented to the client as what our fee is. Um, It includes the financial planning. If they have business or whatever, it might be deductible. But the bottom line is that's what we do. And if they're just interested in a tax return, they can go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. What bothers me is that there are really intelligent and successful accountants out there doing tax returns for $750 or (laughs) $1,200, whatever. They they are underselling themselves. But um, our idea was to put it into this package because by putting it into this package, we increased the value of the sale. We Mm -hmm. basically increased the client from thinking of a tax return to an annual service i actually just got hired by um a fellow in the software industry and his wife is an oncologist they've been paying a thousand dollars to a very good firm here in massachusetts but they wanted different service they, i was referred to them by uh, tia cref where mm-hmm. my wife has investments from uh, her uh hospital yep and um and i said your fee is going to be thirty two hundred dollars. He said, I'm going to have to talk to my wife, call me back the next day, and he hired us. So that's triple the cost of what they're currently paying. but They understand the value of what they're going to get from the, from the service. So um, I would encourage accountants out there who are thinking about the fee as a roadblock. It's not a roadblock. Um, I hear this from uh, accountants all over the country when I am at conferences or whatever, having lunch and explaining what we do. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, we're in Texas. Nobody in Texas is going to pay that. Or, you know, we're in, we're in New Mexico. Prices are different here. They may be, but you don't know unless you ask. Mm-hmm. We started off wondering if $500 would be successful. Um, and the, the fact is, if you're doing, say, 500 tax returns, at $500 a piece. And if you doubled your fee to a thousand just by giving some extra service, whatever, you could actually do half as many returns and be just as successful. But the fact, but the fact is the other people won't leave the other, maybe some will, but most of them will buy into the bigger price if you're giving them a better value. And that's what we did. So yeah, there was a little bit of trepidation, but, but it, it it was unfounded. Um, Uh, especially when you have a good relationship, the client will continue to buy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, again, this is maybe we can cover this in a second podcast sometime after April 15th. But, you know, the the role of value there and the role of um, the services provided. Right. And how you can do that in a way that that is uh, commensurate with saying, hey, this is the, the price. And, and, you know, not to pick on an account, obviously, everyone in the wealth management industry and other industries because of different forces you know, feels that pressure. But I think the way that, again, you guys have done that, hopefully it provides some view of the other side of the wall for people who are like, you know, struggling under some of the pressures of, I have this accounting practice, right? I know that there's other options for me when it comes to services that I can charge for to grow my business, but how do I connect the dots? You know, and, right. and um, you know, there's great, obviously, network, you said, like, you know, national networks for accountants out there that, that talk about this stuff. But I think the goal here, obviously, on the podcast is sort of hear really from the the source, you know, of how do I do this? How do I think about this? You know, being vulnerable. But yeah, you know, it's difficult. But again, you know, when you put this together and you have the right framework for it, you know, it can obviously, like you guys, can just be, you know, extremely successful.
2: Yeah. And and again, thinking what you're just saying, what's, what's made it very successful is I think some accountants feel that that. In order to do what I'm describing, they have to recreate the wheel, mm-hmm. and they have to they have to perhaps uh, be better informed with the wealth management or whatever. But what where we've been successful is we have outsourced that, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Ryan, when when I send someone to Congress wealth management, I know they're going to you know have get their current portfolio analyzed. I know they're going to look at the the things that they should be looking at, ask the right questions and take care of the issues yeah. that, that the client knows I'm looking over your shoulder. The client knows I'm part of the group that is going to discuss this. But it relieves me of having to learn all that and do all that. So, yeah. so one of the fears the accountants have is if they get into this type of program, how much extra work does that create? And I'm here to say it does not create any extra work Um, other than me making a phone call or an email or referral, or perhaps introducing you, you know, face to face with a client at that point, some of my work is done. I'm still involved on an annual basis to make sure you're doing your job. And the client is very vocal to tell me when, you know, things are going well or not going well, but, but a lot of that no longer falls on my shoulders. And that's a tremendous relief. So, um, you say know, almost, I say almost
1: when I think about that, Jeff's, you know, is almost sort of the also the the control, right? Like you, maybe you feel people feel as though they, you know it's out of their control what sort of happens once you let that relationship go somewhere else. But in some ways, right? It sounds like again the outsourcing is almost you know the control by delegation, right? You're delegating. Hey, here's the stuff that I can do. Here's the stuff that I can't do. You know, and I'm obviously putting a process together to make sure that that is commensurate with what I want for my clients. But ultimately, right, it's not more work, right, that, that is a small sort of down payment, so to speak, on the process for, you know, the growth in the future, I guess. That's that's how I would sort of look at
2: it. That's that's correct. That's correct. And, you know, one of the biggest things is um, clients will a lot of times ask, you know, for me to measure or, or determine whether their investment management or whatever is performing well. Yeah. and that's really hard, right? Because you know the market is the market. right now, I think every investment manager in the country is going to look terrible because the market's down a thousand points today. <laughs> yeah. um, but to me, it's the communication. And when you have partners like like your firm, yeah. uh, who communicate well with me and with the client, um, that's much more important than than the performance. The performance is great too. but um, but it's it's the communication. and I certainly feel that with the relationships we've built uh, with all of our various partners, uh, that that we don't lose control of the client. We are still heavily involved yeah. with the client, but we've, as you say, we've outsourced some of the issues so that uh, the burden is off of us, but not the relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And I appreciate the kind words. And, you know, I think that even gives people at least uh, some idea of if they're going to try to do this, you know, what they would, um, you know, focus on when they're, when they're sort of putting together a model or a platform like you. So sure. Sure. I appreciate this. You know, as you mentioned, it is a, uh, it's a busy day in the world, um, and a busy day for you guys, you know, on, on the tax side with the time of are entering. So I just want to say, Jeff, I really, really appreciate it. I think hopefully you'd love to come back at some point for another one. I think there's so much more to dive into and with, with your guys experience and the audience that we have. So uh, I really appreciate it.
2: I would be very happy to uh, continue this conversation or to dig deeper into some of the details. Uh, like I say, I'm very proud of what we built and, um, I just wish I can get more people on the bandwagon.
1: (laughs) That's it. We're all, we're all in that business. Um, So for everyone listening, I really appreciate you guys tuning in again to four advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. Um, As Jeff mentioned at the beginning, if you have any questions for Jeff or us at Congress wealth advisor solutions, please reach out to us at four advisors at com, And we'll try to get you some answers or get you in touch with Jeff. Um, And make sure, you know, you're connected into the group here. So thank you everybody again for listening and we'll talk to you soon.